is the Rams Review Podcast. Discussion, insights, interviews and analysis. All passion, all Derby County. Rams Review Podcast is proud to be part of the Fan Hub 100, where fans come first. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Rams Review Podcast. Uh, it's Corey along with you. Jason is unfortunately held up in a hotel with poor Wi-Fi signal. We know how that goes, so he will not be joining us today. But I, I, much like most of you, are probably recovering from the Oscars last night, especially with that slap by Will Smith on Chris Rock. That was just, that was just peak TV. And sometimes you could sit there and be like Darby County, EFL, Darby, Quintana. You could, you could make that meme out of anything. And then that's not the only star, uh, Hollywood star that's kind of been in the frame for Darby. And I want to get, get the thoughts of, of the guest on tonight um, because George Clooney, right? Sexiest man alive. Is he going to buy Darby County? We don't know, but I do have somebody who is the sexiest man alive in a turtleneck. And that is former athletic writer, and current Derby County supporter and somebody I'm honored and privileged to call my friend, Ryan Conway. Ryan, welcome back to the podcast. It's first time you've been in your new role. How the heck are you? Oh, man, I'm doing good, Corey. Thank you. Um, firstly, thank you very much for having me on. It's always a pleasure to, to be on the podcast. Um, you know, you guys always were, were real good to me when I was uh, writing at The Athletic. And, you know, you've been good to me uh, since I've been uh, doing some freelancing for the Derby Telegraph. Always got to get that plug in there. Um, the Will Smith, Chris Rock thing. I mean, that that's the easiest meme that we will get in 2022. You know, oh, that, that's just the, out, yeah. it's, it's the easy, it's the easiest meme that that, that we'll <laughs> that we'll get. Um, so yeah, I've been normally I'm not kind of fascinated by that kind of stuff, but I was like, no way, like Will Smith really, really. I woke up this Chris morning Rock? at like zero dark thirty, and it flashed up from the BBC, and it said Will Smith hits Chris. Like I'm half awake, but I gotta watch this. Yeah, it was because because the first part of me was like, well, this is obviously, you know, this is obviously staged and set up. And I was kind of no, like, really, it really does hit him. So, um, so, so, yeah, that was that was unusual. And this could you keep your composure like Chris Rock did? Because he, to be fair to Chris Rock, he kept his composure. Was like, okay, well, here we go. I'd have probably folded like a deck chair because takes that takes that, and that's like Will Smith gets all of that slap, and he puts all some weight (laughs) behind it as well. So. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know, man. But yeah, like top marks for Chris Rock being the ultimate pro- professional. There, <laughs> we'll see him at the at the at the at the next Zach Parker bout then at Pride Park. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so Ryan, um, first question: George Clooney, sexiest man alive. You obviously have the moniker of being the sexiest man alive in a turtleneck. Which, well, thanks to you, I do. Yeah, well, of course. I mean, you look good in a turtleneck, Ryan. I'm secure enough to be able to say that. Um, George Clooney. He said he's come out. He said he's a Derby County fan. And I mean, again, we've said this many times on our podcast, this old saying, it's very Derby County. I mean, surely not. Because I read his quotes and he doesn't say he's putting a bid in, but he's like, eh, it's nothing money can't fix. And he's got plenty of it. George Clooney and Derby County, Ryan, what, what do you think on that? I think it's a fun soundbite that then media can kind of go wild with. Like if, if, we're, if we're being real here, you know, it's, it's it's a nice idea. I mean, Ryan Reynolds turned up at Wrexham. Like, you know, weirder things, I guess, have happened. 
but I, John I, Watford, there is a there's a trend here, right? Yeah, exactly. So, but I, I just I just really don't kind of I just don't see it. I just I just really don't see it see it happening. It's 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 fun, you know. It's a fun little soundbite, fun little nugget, fun little quote, and gets George Clooney in the pop culture while I don't know what he's trying to promote at the minute. <laughs> Um, so, but no, I, I honestly, I honestly, uh, I honestly can't can't see it happening. Uh, but to be honest with you, I mean, it's 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 almost you almost have to have to laugh at the absurdity of of, of Derby County takeovers at, at at this point. And while it makes that kind of you know, while George Clooney to buy Derby County question mark is the sort of laughable kind of headline that you can't believe, is it any more laughable than than some of the takeovers that? you know have kind of come and gone and you know the the cases of you know not really uh stacked up to scrutiny i know because i was in on a couple of them you know like when you're there journey and you kind of look at a few things and go i'm not sure so yeah <laughs> at least george clooney probably has a nice house he doesn't have to go to tiktok to find one so yeah and and at least we know he definitely has the millions but i'm just not sure he would have the business acumen to run Derby County. We can put us in charge, Ryan. We know what we're I, I honestly don't think I would even have the business. <laughs> it's, it's, no, I agree. It's you, like, it's just, you, it's just another one of yourself, these. Then maybe. No, it's just another one of these weird headlines. Like, and it's the strange thing is, is that George Clooney being associated with Derby County is weird enough, but then the whole, you know, oh, Clooney Rooney and whatever kind of thing. Um, it's the most like when I when I read the headline and I read the quotes, I was like, it's the most Derby County thing ever. Like over the last few years, it's like, of course George Clooney wants to buy Derby. Of course Derby County, because Derby County is a mad football club that, that operates on sort of this different level of, yeah. of of reality. Or you know, it's I don't know, I don't know what realm this football club came from, but it just operates differently, and um, that's kind of why we love it. But but it's all it's also the kind of thing that you know when it's serious for a minute you kind of just want to bang your head against the wall and go why why is nothing ever simple <laughs> and and ryan i mean that that's the thing is you know this takeover has been so protracted in so long and last week was supposed to be the week i've said this many times on the last podcast and i'm sure you know because you listen to all of them obviously um prefer bitter week and then preferred bitter week didn't happen again we're now on on recording on the monday we still don't have a preferred bitter and you know Elias was saying a couple of weeks ago that it's frustrating for all the journos because they want to be able to put out information out and they can't get it. And the yardsticks continue to be moved. How frustrating is for you, who's someone who wasn't, was in the journalism area is now out of the journalism area, except for a bit of a toe with the Derby Telegraph. And you're also seeing this as a fan. So you're kind of seeing it in, in, in kind of two lights. How frustrating is this for this thing to be so protracted and, and when are we going to get a resolution to this other than the dreaded L word? <laughs> it's, it's, it's so frustrating. And like, I, I really feel for, for any journalist trying to get some answers on that, because again, having, having been on, on that side of things, on that side of the coin, um, fans get frustrated. I understand fans getting frustrated, but a journalist can only report what they're being told. And sometimes people do not want to speak to you. Sometimes they won't respond to your phone calls, your email. Sometimes, like I said, they'll lie to you or you get the, the worst thing, which is just no comment, um, which is, you know, just pure indifference. It, it is it is frustrating. The more frustrating thing, bigger picture is, you know, when the administrators were appointed in, who what, September? It was hopeful that a takeover would be in place by January. Now, Again, this was 
you know, it's a it's a theme, it's a pattern, it's a trend. You know, there was hope that the Eric Alonso takeover would happen by X date, Y date, Z date. There was hope that the BZI takeover would happen by X date, Y date, Z date. Um, and none of those things ever materialized. And Derby County, the people that are now in charge have a responsibility to repair and rebuild that trust because it's increasingly difficult as a fan to believe that one thing is happening when there are two incredibly recent examples of you know fans journalists being told a thing is happening and then that thing not happening um you know and that's that's that can be difficult i mean journal you know a lot of journalists are being made and have been made to look silly myself included i don't exclude myself myself included have been made to look silly when you're being given bad information um, so the journalists kind of you kind of play it safe and go well I'll just give you I, I'm just not going to put any information out because I can't I can't trust this source no more but when that source is like an administrator it, it, it's it's difficult you know it, it's so it's so difficult um, but yeah I, I feel for the I feel for everybody that's trying to get answers to the questions because I've been there and it sucks I mean you look at it Ryan are Derby County surely not going to be liquidated, are they? I mean, we've got we know that they said they've got funds till the end of the season, but every, each and every passing week, it becomes an increasingly large possibility that the L word is happening. Sure, surely, Derby County is not going to be liquidated. Surely, there's going to be somebody coming in. You would think, right, in the eleventh hour, that swoops in, whether it's George Clooney on the wings of a hippogriff or whatever, and jumps off and's like, "Hey, hey, I'm buying it." I mean, I. Surely, or are we headed to the dreaded L word? I don't, I don't, the honest answer is I, I don't know because no, no one knows. But um, I think a element of just kind of prepare for the worst, pray for the best is, is kind of what happens because it's kind of crisis management, right? You kind of might try to manage and regulate your, your own emotions and your own, your own regulations. No football club is ever too big to not do a thing. Like Newcastle fans probably thought they were too big to ever get relegated twice in the same 10 years. Uh, that you know like they you know they 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 weren't you know Nottingham Forest when they were in European Cups at one point probably thought they were too they too were too big to ever get relegated Derby probably thought that they were too big to ever go down to League One even the prospect of going down to 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 League One in its current in its current guys you know you could you can pick all those all those different sorts of things and and say well you know they're, they're too big you know look at Portsmouth they were what FA Cup winners in 2008 yeah, and they're um, recovering from Harry Redknapp and Mandovich's spending. I mean, they've been down there a long time. Yeah, you know, but Bolton had, you know, I remember Bolton drew 2-2 with Bayern Munich in the UEFA Cup. Yeah. Um, and so uh, no football club is ever too big to have this kind of thing happen to them. It would suck. But Derby's problem as the end of, because they've got cash until the end of, until the end of the season, you know, as has been reported. But Derby's problem now is, we're seeing what will be the lifeblood of the football club leave. Festi Abaselli is just the latest one that will go to Udinese. They needed Festi Abaselli because he would have he was talented, cheap, and in a position of need and homegrown. And because of their current situation, they can't offer contracts. So you don't really blame Festi. I saw Festi take quite a bit of stick for saying, well, thanks for putting the faith in, you know, thanks for sticking around with the club we've put faith in. They can't offer him a new deal. What's he meant to do? Like, yeah, I mean, if they can't, he's unemployed or he plays football. I mean, there's there's two options. Right. And, and, and Udinese is a decent Serie A club. Why wouldn't you go there? Dylan Williams at, at, at Chelsea, you know, um, we've got um, Cashin. Cashin is, 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 is looking like a 
genuine, like if, if Derby go down into League One, he could start every single game in League One. And then he's basically a, a centre-back that you could get profit on. He's out of contract at the end of the year. Um, Liam Thompson is out of contract at the end of the year. Looks a really, like he looks like he could be a ready-made replacement for Graham Shinney once his development. So Luke Plange. Luke Plange was raw, got himself in the team, flashed what he could do. Crystal Palace think he's worth a punt at, at a million pounds. Now that's a million pounds that, that, that they need, but they kind of also need Luke Plange because Colin Kazim Richards is out of contract at, at the end of at the end of the season. Because of the situation that Derby are in, because that they're that this still hangs over them, those contracts now are running down. And even if they do survive, you know, even if they do survive, and there are you know um, reports that they could start next season on minus fifteen points. What will the lifeblood of the football club be? What will the remnants of, of, of that football club be? Because it's not only the players out of contract, but it's the players who are in contract who probably don't want to stick around at, at League One level. Someone like Christian Bielik. You know, Christian Bielik was on record as saying if he wasn't playing the Premier League in five years when he signed for Derby, if he wasn't yeah, playing... Yeah, I remember that. And he took some years. stick for it. He took some stick for it. Yeah, well, this will be year three and he would be in, 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 in League One. He would almost certainly go back to the championship, go back up in... I mean, there's also, there's also a World Cup coming up in December, so he has to be able to play at a decent level to at least championship level to get the Polish team. They're not going to pick someone from League One, I wouldn't think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, hopes are extraordinarily high in his homeland for a player like him. He is not going to be playing League One football. Like, that just won't be happening. Now, that might actually suit Derby because he's one of the players that actually does have quite a lot of value. But the lifeblood of the team, when you look at what, what could be left of this team, someone like Nathan Byrne, who I also believe is out of contract. Um, Ryan also Curtis Davis. Tom Lawrence. <laughs> Tom, Tom Lawrence. Uh, you know, Lee Buchanan uh, as well, I believe. Lee, Lee, Lee Buchanan, Ravel. Like, what would be left of this football club, even if it were to survive? And because this continues to drag... Um, it's just not doing, I mean, it's not doing Wayne any favours when he's trying to build a, a, a squad um, looking forward towards next season. It doesn't do the fans any favours, doesn't do the players any favours. They don't know what's going on. And again, like, you can't blame someone like Besti for, for kind of going, well, yeah, I'll stay to the end of the season, but then I'm, I'm going to go over here because literally the club just can't offer him a new contract. Um, so yeah, the longer this continues to be dragged out, and we've seen this that across two takeovers, Two takeovers that things have continued to drag out and things get worse and worse and worse and worse for them as as those things um, continue to, to to happen and it it seems like and I understand due diligence has to be done caution has to be taken of course I, I understand that I'm not naive but at some stage you have to start questioning some of the processes and go like is no one learning lessons here like this club is out on its feet and needs some help and it doesn't have the luxury of time. Yeah, because I think, I mean, I look at it and I can understand from a from a business point of view why some of these preferred bidders might not be coming in necessarily because when you look at a football club, if they go down, Derby's probably going to lose half the market value, you know, when they go down to League One. And like you said there, it's easier to literally name the players that are going to stick around next season than not because there's only like five that are under contract. And so then, like you said, the academy's gone, so you can't get any value from that. You don't have a first team staff. So if you me and you go in a joint takeover, Ryan, with George Clooney, obviously. Uh, you know, we, we have to sign 40, 45 players. That's a massive ask anyway. It's difficult enough to get like five players in for a club and then have them gel. You know, we've seen this before when Fulham bought a bunch of players and they went down. They spent 100 million and went down because they, they got a gel. 
So you're, you're getting cast offs. You're getting these players to come in. They're having the jail. You've got no youth Academy to speak of. I mean, the 23s who were so great a couple of years ago, they're going to get relegated because they're all in the first team and they're playing like not even the under 18s because they've all moved on. They're playing like the under 15s in a 23 league. And it's like the under eights are playing for the under 15s and they're just getting all murdered. So you've got to restack all those books and you can't blame players. I agree with you. You can't blame someone like Festi Abicelli. He's got an opportunity to play football. He's got an opportunity. I mean, whether he sticks to do to an AZ or he's playing for Watford next season, that's a different question. <laughs> so I, I, I also, I also had that thought. I was like, yeah, it's like, okay, well, feels, welcome, welcome to Watford. It's like a scenic route to Watford. Yeah. yeah. So, but you and know, I think, it, it, I think it's any good. serious bidder, any, any serious bidder, preferred any, any, anybody who is deadly serious about buying this football club, obviously the first thing that they have to do is kind of clear the debts, you know, what is it? 25 pence to the pound on the HMRC debt that they owe. Um, you know, so they have to clear the debts. There has to be some sort of sorting of the stadium, you know, the ownership of the of, of the stadium. MSD loans need to be repaid. The, you know, the figure, depending on what reports and you want to believe, or depending on where the, the, the figures have been pulled from, depending on what's being included in the figures and not being included in the figures, it's about 60 million of debt, right? So it's, 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 a, it's a lot of, of, of debt. And, um, you know, I, I remember basically when I was, when I was at the athletic kind of trying to, sort of with the help of the excellent Matt Slater was trying to kind of figure out all this out and he basically you know said well basically the club will be sold for a pound because the rest will be off to offset the debt <laughs> uh, that's the level that's the level of debt at the club that the debt actually outweighs that the club has got no value because they've got so much debt so a serious bidder has to come in and, 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 and get rid of all that and get rid of all that debt and then what it has, and then what the series, you know, bit of preferred owner, whatever it is, has to do is just completely replenish that squad, um, because as you said, it will need a big, big cash injection, you know, just to kind of get it stable again, and not just in, not just in the eleven, but you know, the, the academy, which what four years ago had won the under eighteen Premier League, that kind of that cupboard will need stockpiling. Um, you know things like Wayne has made several comments about about the pitch. Now, Derby's pitch is not the only pitch that's been affected. A lot of Championship clubs have kind of had to cut back on how they treat the pitch because of you know budgetary restrictions brought on by COVID. But Derby's pitch is one of them. The pitch will have to be kind of redone, retooled. Um, so yeah, there, there's a there's an awful awful lot to do at that football club. But see, uh, you know, a bit of can't just go. Well, look at Pride Park. What a great stadium we've got. Wayne Rooney's manager. Let's sign some players and go. But no, it, it's going to take a monumental effort to turn that football club around. I want to ask you a question, Ryan. That's just just popped into my head here because you ran the Derby County beat for about two seasons, I believe. Right, about two and a bit, two and a bit seasons. Yeah, two, yeah, two, yeah, two and a bit seasons. And you developed a lot of friendships, you developed a lot of relationships, you developed a lot of sources. And when when the news came out of administration, I believe you'd left the Athletic, correct, at that time? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I had. I'd been on about a month. And you were on a bit of a you were on a bit of a sabbatical from football. But when the news came out about how much Darby actually owed, not necessarily to HMRC, but also to people like St. John's Ambulance Service and these local businesses and Derbyshire City Council and Airwash Borough Council and stuff like that. What was your feeling as someone who had covered the club for two years, had talked to everybody who was everybody at the club, all the hierarchy people, Pierce, Morris, all of them. And then you were looking at me, what was your initial reaction? Like, 
Did you feel like you had been misled or lied to, or did you just feel like, wow, did they not know that this was going, you know what I'm trying to like, what were your kind of sentiments for feeling when that? So when, when I saw the figure was about 6 million in debt, I wasn't surprised um, because it was a figure that from sources outside of Derby had been quoted to me, but the problem that I, I always had was it, it was just a figure I could never, I could, I could never stand it up. I could, I could never get someone to kind of corroborate that that's what they, they kind of owed. And, you know, my, my, practice and you know my teachers you know Alex K. Jelsky, the athletic I was always taught you know you've got to try and stand these things up you've got to try and make them credible you don't want to put iffy figures particularly around that that sensitivity um so I wasn't I wasn't surprised at all I think it was Sky that, that kind of dropped that news and I wasn't surprised at all but like part of you is part of you is annoyed part of you is annoyed that you you kind of think feel like you've been been taken for a ride and you know me and me and, me and Mel um we we got on like you know when when i had to when i had to kind of deal with, with mel like we we got on but you know when i'm trying to have honest conversations with, with him about, about things and you, you kind of you know sometimes you come away and think like oh did i have the wall pulled over my eyes and, it, and it's and it's really it's really difficult to tell because it's not just it's not just one person there are so many people you know kind of the the, the spoon in the <laughs> In, in, in this kind of big gumbo of, of what's of what's going on so I wasn't surprised but yeah you are kind of sat there and you just think like man it's yeah you do you feel a, a little bit, bit sore I guess is the right word to, to say you do feel a little a little bit sore yeah because I mean it's, it's just like I think we knew we knew we we're in debt we knew we were going to get a points deduction because of the financial irregularities that that came up look we, we skirted the rules we deserved a punishment we got it and then when you hear like even like the ambulance service hadn't been paid, that's when it dawned on me like who's been who was steering this shit for Christ's sake? Like you don't like, you're lucky the electric even turned on or the plumbing worked because for me it was just kind of like you're you're not even taking care of of this business like you know and you and you're an institution and you're supposed to be part of the community and and all this stuff and they do wonderful work with the community trust and all this different things but then you're like you're not even paying for like council services here like it's just it's just yeah and I, and I mean like there were other there were other bits of as well like I, I remember speaking to to people who had told me like you know the uh, swimming pool had been drained for COVID reasons for COVID restrictions and then there were people that, that were telling me like you know the, the pool hasn't been drained for that reason whatsoever it's kind of it's a cost cutting measure now um, if that's the state of if that's the state of affairs, I think, man, if you've got to drain a swimming pool to cut those, like you really, whatever money that's saving you, you really need that money. Um, yeah. And that kind of is one of those where, again, like now I'm out of the fight, you kind of pull your head out and you go, wow, like if they would drain a swimming pool to save money, that speaks to how much money they, like, like that speaks to how much they desperately needed that money. And you kind of go, wow. Um, but at the time, it was just one of those things where you, you kind of go, okay, that's unusual, I guess. That's, that's, that's weird. Um, kind of like Bob Cratchit yeah. when he asked for an extra lump of coal and he's like, no, no, no just put an extra sweater on. It's like yeah. desperate. Yeah. Yeah. It, re it really was, you know, it really is. And, and, you know, there really are desperate, desperate times there. Um, and it, and it's so, it's so unfortunate because the team on the pitch has given the club every chance of, of, of surviving. And, and I get that fans are going to be frustrated at some of the results, particularly the run that they've put together, but, um, you know, recently, I know they, they they got a point against against Coventry and they and they beat 
Barnsley, who themselves have now magically put, put a run together, which isn't helping things. But by and large, you know, Derby to get to within what three points of Reading, and now it's eight. And and yeah, it, it's 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 looking unlikely, but not impossible. Um, and I get the frustrations of, around that. But when you consider that, um, the 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 hand that that Wayne and his staff have been dealt, the hand that some of the players have been. Have been dealt the fact that they're even the fact that it's even unlikely and their fate isn't sealed is an incredible achievement it's it's uh, it's an incredible achievement for you know for all of them for all of them players and it would be easy to, to kind of throw in the towel but like those 46 games that's on the players resume forever as well do you know what i mean that's on their cv but when they go elsewhere for, to try and sign for a club and things like that people will take notice about how they applied themselves in the face of adversity um, so this is a pride thing for all of those players. I don't think any of them can really afford to kind of throw in the towel. So Ryan, talk me through Derby's recent form because it's not been good. We just mentioned it. They picked up what four points from fifteen. What do you what do you put their what do you put their poor form down to? Is it an unlucky run of fixtures? Is it is it just tiredness because of squad numbers that's starting to creep in? Because I mean, I've noticed Luke Plange of late since basically his move to Palace. He's not really pulled up any trees. Eveselli kind of carried a knock for a few weeks. Maybe the Udinese move was weighing on his mind. Liam Thompson played against Coventry, was fetched off at halftime, didn't really do much. Um, what, what, what are you putting this recent poor run of form down to? Um, the loss against Blackburn was really surprising. Um, really surprising. I mean, Derby go 1-0 up. And I didn't expect them to surrender it in the manner that they surrendered it. It was, um, yeah, it was. It, it really was strange. Obviously, there, there was a couple of uh, what was it set pieces that they that they get beat on. Now, set pieces have always been Derby's Achilles heel, but these two felt particularly sloppy in in the con- given the context of things. Given the context of this Wayne Rooney team as well, um, they're incredibly steely and gritty and determined. So, and I think the thing is, is that the mistakes are magnified because of the position they're in because in isolation if they lose 3-1 to a good Blackburn team in that kind of manner you can kind of excuse it but given the position they're in it's just one of those ways that you can't give up goals like that you can't give up leads like that the Coventry game um, I thought they deserved more than a point I, I, Coventry had bright spells and, and Coventry's goal was a really really it really was. good goal that was an excellent goal and they isolate Cashin really really well and, and get, the, get the little give and go around him and you know and he can't flip his hips quick enough and he's, he's just taken out of the, of the entire move but Derby I thought had the much better approach play which you could probably say for a lot of games um, but I thought they created some some really good chances. I thought there was a couple that Lawrence should have should have done better with, um, you know. But there was also like you know there was a couple of decent crosses that were being tossed in, but there was no one really attacking them in the box. And I think they missed Colin, who uh, I think I read on the on the Derby Tell actually that he might be done for the season with with his ankle problems. That's not helping. Um, uh, the Luton game where they you know they they lose one nil. The Millwall game where they where they lose two one and. There was, they're just patches where Derby get, I wouldn't even say they get outplayed, but they switch off and they go to sleep um, and it costs them. And you mentioned there are a lot of the youth players that, you know, Plange and Ebiselli, Thompson is, is having a little bit of a wobble. You can even say Cashin is, you know, um, he's been probably Derby's best defender since he came in the side, but, but even he has been, particularly the, the, the Coventry game, he was a little bit, a little bit iffy, a little bit iffy. 
But the problem you've got here is you've got very experienced, raw young players who are being forced to play out mistakes on big stages. And that isn't conducive to having a really good development. You know, and I think you know, Rooney had said in the past that he's kind of forced to play these players, but he doesn't want to kill their careers before they even get going because you will get exposed at this level. And some of these players are still untested at youth level. You know, there are some players that ideally kind of do need to be in the 23s and still, but they can't be. They're being forced to play here. Like Eberselli's trying to learn a new position. You know, when they're trying to make him a winger. That's the position they want him to be. They want him to be a proper winger. I, I really, really like Bessie. Um, you know, anyone that has listened to me long enough knows I like Bessie. He's, he's determined. He's, he's a decent dribbler. He's quick. He's direct. He's, he's got a really good burst across the first five yards. In my opinion, his, his delivery is pretty dreadful. But that's the sort of skill that he needs to hone in the, in the 23s. But he's been forced to kind of learn it in real time at the first team level where his deliveries really matter. Like they matter in the 23s, but they really matter here. They really, really matter. And yeah, like his progress isn't going to be as smooth in that, in that regard. Plans are still really raw. He's got the tools and he's got the raw talent, but he's still really raw. There are a couple of, of things that, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't pick his head up when he really should do. He's, he's kind of looking at the ball and how he's going to shape his shot and, and try, you know, sometimes he needs to pick his head up because there was, I can't remember what game it was, but they hit on the counter-attack and Plant has, uh, has Colin in, in the middle and then he has, I think, Best. On, on the right, and he tries to take the shot himself. Now, if he rolls that square, Kazimich has got a much better chance, but his head is down. He needs to pick his head up more. Again, it's something that you, you learn more easily at the, at the academy level, but he's being forced to try and learn these tools on the job when Derby are playing for big, big, big stakes. It's a lot of pressure. You know, it's a lot of pressure. When you throw in the fact that progress generally isn't linear, even in the best situation, progress isn't linear. It's going to have an effect. And again, this is the knock-on effect of Wayne not being able to recruit the way he wanted to recruit because of what's happening on off the field. Do you think then, Ryan, the international break has come at a good time because there's, what, seven, eight games left now in the season? Do you think the international break has come just at the right time to give everybody a bit of a break, a bit of a reset, and then say, look, we've got seven cup finals. We can go out and do something special and just give them that time away, that time away from the game to, to recharge the batteries? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's good for players like you know, Curtis Davis, who's uh, no spring chicken. You know, he can do a job, but these seasons are grueling, you know. And, uh, you know, for someone like him, it'd be, it'd be good to, to, get, to get away and, and maybe just freshen up a, a little bit. I think mentally more than anything, it would be, as you said, good, good for the players. And that, that sort of cup, seven cup finals, it's, it's cliche, but I mean, it's, you know, sport is built on cliches, man. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when every NFL team every week, they just go, well, we're one, you know, we're trying to go one and oh, we're trying to go one and oh, we're trying to go one and oh. Derby every week, they're just trying to go one and oh. You know, every single week, they're trying to go one and oh. Do I see one and oh happening for seven games? No, no, I don't. Um, they've got some really tough games in there. Um, Preston, Preston off the bat is not a bad game to start with. Um, because they just lost, no. what, three or four nil to, to Luton. They just got smashed before the international break as well. So, Yeah, I mean, and I am, I am kind of surprised at how, how Luton are doing. But, yeah, I mean, Preston got beat 4-0 by Luton. They drew 0-0 with Cardiff. They beat Bournemouth. They drew 1-1 with uh, Coventry, 0-0 with, with Forest, and lost 3-2 at Reading. Like, Preston right now aren't any great shakes. And they will also be another team that has looked at that international break as a good time to, to get in. You know, I mean, they're comfortably mid-table, but they will want to get back to, 
to, to winning ways as well. It's a game at home, at Clyde Park, off the back of an international break. Like, if, if you wanted momentum, to, if you want to start with some momentum, that's kind of, that's it. Like, you couldn't ask for better, a better fixture than that, I don't think, because then you have to turn around and go play Swansea, who, you know, in Peru, they've got a really dangerous striker. Re I really, really like him, really good player. But again, like, this Swansea team is, is beatable. I mean, they're, they're 16th. You know, they're, they're not last year's Swansea when Steve Cooper was, was, was at the helm. Um, they're a really beatable team. So they've got two good games, and then you, then you welcome Fulham. Then you go to QPR. So Derby need, you know, if they get momentum going into those. Yeah, Derby need if they get six points from Preston and Swansea, great. But at a absolute minimum, they need four. If they come out of those two games, in my personal opinion, with anything other than four points from Preston and Swansea, I think they're down. Like I just think they're down because in, I don't think they're going to get four to six points out of Fulham and QPR because both of those teams. I mean, Fulham and QPR are at the business end of their season as well. You know, Fulham are looking to win the division. QPR are what? Looking for playoffs, you know, with, with, with Forrest in, in tow there. You know, QPR are eight, Forrest are nine, Middlesbrough seventh, Blackburn uh, sixth. So they've got business of their own to, to tend to. They may have some sympathies with Dobbs' situation, but I don't imagine they will hold back on being as ruthless as they can. Um, so, yeah, like, and then your final three games. Bristol, Blackpool, Cardiff. I mean, the, the last two. It, I mean, if Derby room with a fighting chance heading into those last two games, they're kind last two games. And I use that in inverted commas because no game is easy, but finishing at Cardiff at home and Blackpool away, they're not the heaviest of heavy hitters in, in, in the championship. And Cardiff are pretty leaky defensively. Um, you can get at them. Um, so, yeah, it's. The break has come at a good time, and I think that's an okay run, but they have to start it. They absolutely have to start it, in my opinion, with four out of six points in those first two games. Ryan, I agree. I think, you know, I agree. You want to pick up a little bit of momentum before playing those heavy hitters, and certainly when you play those heavy hitters, you don't want it to be cricket scores because it might come down to goal difference. On the final day, you never know. This is the championship. A couple more points, Ryan, before I let you go. We've got about 10 minutes left. Um, one player that was let go. Uh, went to Charlotte FC and MLS, who also have this weird thing now with the Polish national team because they refused to let this Polish guy go to the national team and then said he was injured. He played the weekend, scored a miraculous free kick, whatever. And then Poland released the medical record. Not about the player, though. That was just a different side note because my <laughs> mysterious ways. Kamil Dzuzviak, he's left Derby. Um, full, of full of promise. On paper, he passed the paper test. Are you sad to see him go, Ryan? Are you sad to see that it didn't necessarily work out the way we all kind of hoped? Yeah, I, I really like Camille as, as, as a person. I, you know, I, I only met him once, but from everything I was ever told about him, um, he was a lovely, lovely person. And then when I interviewed him, he was a lovely, lovely person. Um, and, and you root for guys like that. And look, I was, you know, I was an ardent, absolutely ardent Camille usually at Believer. Um, and every time he put together just solid six and seven out of 10 performances, six and seven out of, you know, just kind of stringing them along, stringing them along. And you think, okay, now take that next step, go and get a goal and assist. You know, let's, let's see you put together some real quality. And then he, he would, he would almost regress and regress. And 
kept you know Felix goes down oh well he needs his, his compatriot back and you know the goal against Forrest that is offside oh well if that goes in it's a different story there's a game where he, he rattles the post I can't remember what game he said oh if that goes in it's a different story but the bottom line is he scored fewer goals than Florian Josephson and I believe that Florian Josephson was one of the worst players um, that Derby signed in the last decade um, that's not to be mean to that's not to be mean to Flo um, I doubt he cares but you know Derby and Frank Lampard had identified him as a player who could stretch the, stretch the pitch as a, as a winger. Um, and then we brought in, he was kind of pants. Philip Cocker and Derby had identified Cameron as a player who could stretch the pitch. They brought him in and he was kind of pants. Like over, over, the, over his entire Derby career, he scored more goals for Poland in like a fraction of the appearances than he did, than he did for Derby. And um, it wasn't good enough. His delivery never improved. The same things that people in Poland were saying about him when he joined Derby are the same things they're saying about him now. He's left Derby two years, you know, 18 months on. Um, incredibly, you know, skillful, tricky, direct, but his final product is very streaky. And at Derby, it wasn't even streaky. It was just flat out bad. Um, you know, Braw needs molding and, and sort of those rough edges kind of, kind of uh, sanding off. He's left Derby still raw, still needing those rough edges sanding off. Uh, you can argue that it could be, you know, wrong play, uh, you know, right place at the, at the wrong time. You know, or he joined during a pandemic and COVID and things like that. Very legitimate reasons during his first season, which I kind of documented when I when I spoke to him. But there were no excuses this season, and he just wasn't good enough. You know, he was being left behind the pecking order for other players, and at that point, you kind of have to go, look, we've paid a lot of money for you relatively speaking, paid a lot of money for you and you're not doing anything. Um, so yeah, they got what, a million pounds from Charlotte FC from him. They won't see any of that million because as reports indicate, they still owe Lech Poznan half the fee for, for, for Camel. Um, it's a, probably a half of the fee. Again, this is another thing that a prospective buyer will have to deal with. Um, you know, they still owe Lech Poznan, you know, two million pounds from him or, or whatever it is. Um, it's two million pounds. I'll probably begrudgingly hand over because he, he just hasn't done anything, you know, of, of any of any real note. And I think I, I wrote this for the Derby Telegraph. But I think it says a lot that maybe his most defining moment was the goal against Forest that was ruled out. Like that that is almost poetic in its <laughs> in, yeah. in, in just its in just its sadness that not even his goal against you know if, if you were to quiz just randomly you know Derby fans who did Camel usually like score his only goal for Derby against was Swansea in a 2 0 win at Fly Park. But I bet everyone knows about the goal that was disallowed against Forest. And that kind of says a lot about his time at Derby. Yeah, um, I agree. And what we were talking about, Ryan, the one other thing was, um, you know, it was one of the few players that was under contract for next season. So it was kind of like, I don't know, maybe do, do you just keep him because he's going to be here next year or somebody actually wants to buy him? So probably let's just get rid of him. And you make a good point there. You said earlier about Christian B. Like if they go down to League One, they're not getting ten million for him, and they still owe Arsenal eight. So he was a sellable asset, but they maybe get four, maybe five million because they'll take advantage of Darby's situation, as Darby did when when Wigan went down um, as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, when 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 Wigan went down, Darby picked up you know David Marshall and Nathan Byrne for roughly plus Enoch. there. Um, do you know what I mean? And that and that was um, really really good business. Now I, I felt a little bit for the situation with David Marshall because all signs kind of indicated that Marshall was only ever going to stay there one season because he wanted to get in the Scottish national team for the Euros. That Marshall had no intention at all of kind of being at Derby past 
Euro 2020. And that showed. <laughs> um, but he was on big wages. <laughs> and also his resale value as a, what, 35, 36-year-old goalkeeper wasn't really great. Um, but they, Derby at the time when they signed him was kind of in a bit of a win-now mode, right? You, you know, it was Phillips first full pre-season and uh, Wayne was, was, was going to be there and... Um, you know, all of, all of those things, all of, all of those things, you know, they brought in Marshall, they brought in Byrne, Camille had joined, uh, Colin had, had joined, was kind of trying to get fit. Um, there was a semblance of, you know, Mike Tavirik, who can forget him, um, had, had joined. There was a semblance of, right, you know, this is kind of a win-now mode and, and Marshall was seen as a key piece of that. And then when things kind of go south, you know, moves like that are the ones that come back and, and, and bite you. Um, but again, like, I think Keller Roos and... Ryan Allsop are also out of contract, I think. I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. You yeah. Know. No goalkeeper, no striker, like two defenders, one midfielder. Yeah. You know, so they, yeah, they don't, they don't have a, a, a goalkeeper. And that's kind of a problem. Um, so, yeah, like clubs will come and, you know, Max Berg, Jason Knight, Louis Sibley, Louis Watson, maybe. I'm, I'm not sure if he's out of contract at the end of the year. But yeah, like, like these players who clubs, might not think are worth what Derby are asking for them, but once Derby are relegated, they're worth you know fire sale, isn't it? They're worth peanuts, and clubs will pillage that football club. Like you know, Jason Knight, Burnley will probably be licking their chops at the prospect of getting Jason Knight for a fraction of the price. You know, yeah, Sean and, Dyche was like, oh, a million. I'll just wait like six months and I'll get him for fifty thousand because it's Sean Dyche, he's a smooth operator. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, Frank Lampard wanted Max Bird at, at Chelsea. Now, if Frank Lampard is still in charge of, of Everton and he is still a fan of, of Max Bird's and Chelsea and, and Everton's midfield needs some balancing and whether they think Max is a long-term part of that, whatever, Frank Lampard could pay four million pounds for Max Bird, maybe, and be very, very pleased with himself for, for doing so. Um, you know, that's that's kind of the territory that, that you're in, that players that you thought could be worth 15, 20 million. Um, you know, I, I remember, um, you know, there was a feeling internally by a source at Derby that Lee Buchanan was worth roughly what Norwich thought Max Aarons was, which is about 25 million. Um, there were people that thought Lee Buchanan is, was worth that. Um, he won't be worth that anymore. Because... <laughs> like if they get 25p, to be honest, right? So, now I never, I never believed that, but I thought Lee, I think Lee's really, really good, but I never thought he was in he was in that category i thought if you got 10 million pounds for me you were doing yeah really, i would really snap your well. hand off 100 yeah yeah you you were doing really really well um but we've seen how this how weird this this market sort of is i mean i i thought Jaden bogle was worth sort of you know 15 million now he admittedly between me believing that and him actually leaving he had some issues particularly form issues and you know when your head coach comes out and says to your right back i don't think you can defend and he did that very publicly after a 1-1 draw against Huddersfield where he said, I don't think Jaden can defend. When you do that, it's going to hurt your value. But to only get 5 million for Jaden is, you know, is, are you forgetting that deal that took Jaden and Max Lowe to Sheffield Wednesday? They actually paid more for Max, you know, when Jaden was the, seen really as the superstar, as the, as the, as the one breakout star. Now, you know, good for him. He's, he's entrenched himself now in, as part of Sheffield United culture book and, and, and uh, team. But at the time, I thought Jaden you know, was worth 5, 10 million more than, than what they ended up getting for him. So it's weird how the market works. Um, Max Bird might only be worth a couple of million and Derby might be very thankful to get a couple of million considering the position that they find themselves in. And before we go, Ryan, one quick word. Manager Wayne Rooney, he's done a fantastic job, hasn't he? Is he, is he your manager of the season if you get relegated? 
Well, you know that because you read my piece. <laughs> oh, look at that. Did you like the plug there? That was shameless, was it not? Uh, thank no, but fair. Thank you, thank you very much, Corey. Yeah, go go. If you've not already, go check out my piece on the Derby Telegraph, um, where I I did make a case for Wayne Rooney to be manager of the season, even if Derby went down, even if they finished bottom, um, because contextually, um, that team did pick up those twenty one points. Like, yes, you can say that. Well, they were taken off because they were cheating. Or well, you know, I mean, Wayne Rooney and the team that collected these twenty one points, they did nothing wrong. So you, you, you kind of still have to mentally account for that. Like this team is comfortably mid-table. Um, and he has done that with a collection of, as you said earlier, Corey, he's done that with a collection of kind of like cast-offs. I, I don't want to use that term. You know, yeah, but they're not, they're not number one transfer through, targets. Right? We'll just put it that way. Yeah, like they're, they're not number one transfer targets. They're not the guys that he really wanted. You know, he's had to, you know, Ryan Alsop, you know, he kind of like he came in and he was scrambling to, to come in as a you know as a goal, you know like Phil Jagielka who's now gone to what Stoke he came and, and went Richard Stearman who who came in as a as a free agent, um you know and you remember in I think pre-season when Wayne had said that seven of the people that he targeted at the club had already found different clubs, so it was obvious he wasn't sort of shopping for players that he had specifically gone yeah I want you I want you I want you he had to kind of kind of go and and, and put a team together however he could and we forget that. It seems so, 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 so far ago, so long ago, that um, after a preseason game against Salford, um, he had said that, you know, only half jokingly, that he would be lucky if he if he'd be able to field the side come the start of the league season. So, contextually, with all of that going on, with the fact that they weren't really able to recruit in 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 January again, I know free free agents are kind of popping their head in and out for trials and you kick your tires on players and stuff like that. And you couple that with, with injuries. I mean, you know, they've lost Colin twice this season, early on in the season to an Achilles tear um, and now to, to an ankle injury. Um, they lost, uh, you know, they've lost Phil Jagielka to just his contract running down. Sam Baldock came in, didn't really have an impact. He's kind of left. Tom, they've lost him to injuries and some suspension, uh, suspensions and a couple of, of injuries. Ravel, there was high hopes for Rebel, and he's found, you know, he's, he's got himself on the score sheet now. He's starting to, to, to put, I think, by and large, he's been, he's been aggressively okay. Morrison's season has been aggressively okay. Um, they've, you know, Wayne has had to consider, and his staff as well, but, you know, Wayne's always kind of, you know, he's the front man, isn't he? He's had to contend with a lot a lot and to have this table to have this team on paper basically comfortably a mid-table team i think deserves a lot of plaudits when you add in the fact that he's able to keep them motivated in spite of the fact that they had they lost 21 points and were plunged to the bottom of the table that he's able to keep them motivated when he's able to come up with tactical plans to neutralize oppositions and, and grind wins out this team i mean Every Derby fan will remember how soft this team was under Philip Cocker, um, and it was a soft team. And it was a soft team under Frank Lampard, to a degree, as well. But this was a soft, soft team. They, they kind of rolled over and had their tummy tickled when the going got tough. Um, this team does not do that. You know, you look at uh, the draws that they snatched, you know, they're snatching draws from, uh, draws from the jaws of, de- of defeat, you know, against, uh, against Reading, where they were 2-0 down. Coventry as well at the end. Coventry, I mean that Coventry, yeah, Coventry as well, right at the end there. This team refuses to, to to buckle, and I mean, even against Forest, like I thought they were outplayed against Forest, unfortunately. But even against Forest, they they put themselves in with a shout of getting 
something. You know, Lawrence gets the penalty in 88 minutes and they put themselves in with a chance of getting of getting something. The team refuses to buckle. And I think um, in light of the circumstances that the club inherits, Wayne deserves so, so, so much credit for that. And yes, you can look at Fulham and particularly like, you know, when Alexander Mitrovic with, what was it, like 14 games to go, just blew by Ivan Tony's scoring record. Yes, you can you can look at, at Fulham and, and say that they are the runaway and therefore, you know, Marco Silva will get the plaudits or Scott Parker will get the plaudits. You could even say um, uh, Nathan Jones at Luton. You know, Luton at third. That, that's incredible. Carlos Corbran at, at, at Huddersfield. Huddersfield fourth at the minute. I would even even say you could toss the name of Cooper's hat in the ring at, at Forest. I mean, Forest were enjoying the worst start to the season since, what, 1913? It was a bad start to the season, and now they could make the playoffs. Um, so you could even throw their hat in it. But I just think no team has faced the adversity that Derby have. And the manager of that is Wayne Rooney. I think he deserves it. Like, I, I, I just can't. Can't find a case compelling enough to say he doesn't. No, I would agree with you, Ryan, and it's a fantastic case. And with everything that Wayne's had to deal with on and off the field, I think it would have broke most men. And I think most most managers probably would have walked as well because he did say that he was offered the Everton job, and he just said it wasn't the right time because he wants to see the job do. So there's there's some there's some something there about that as well as being a fighter and all that kind of stuff. So I 100 percent I was already on board, and then I read your piece, and then I was even more on board. So I'm on board, Rooney Rooney for manager of the year. And I think. Um, as a as a whole, what is worth exploring is um, you know when 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 Philip and his staff were let go and you know it was circulating that Wayne was was kind of going to be the manager and people thought that was laughable. People thought that was genuinely laughable. Um, I genuinely wasn't sure. My quality, my, my um, reservations didn't go at the fact that. You know, he was like Wayne Rooney, he was still playing. And well, it was like, well, he's not really a qualified coach. Like, he's still applying for his badges. You know, he's still going through his badges. He wasn't qualified to, to do the job. And that was that was my big hang-up. And I, any time after he got the job, whenever I spoke about him, I always affixed the fact that he's not qualified to do that job. Well, you know, I, I guess in one sense, he shut, me, he's all, he shut me up as well because qualified or not, he's done a really good job. You know, he, he kept them up last season. He might still keep them up this season, but he's kept them going this season and um, the, the turnaround in terms of you know we weren't sure if we wanted Wayne fans weren't sure people were like well give it him what's the worst that could happen <laughs> it's sort of been a, in sort of this desperate resignation of well sort of a ah fuck it <laughs> just just give him the job and let's and let's see let's see what happens and um, you know he's he, he's turned this sort of very uneasy um opinion of of him as a manager into you know he's a very credible manager now a very very credible manager and those that thought that he wasn't credible at the start should think he's credible now because he is he's a very credible manager and he yeah. reminds me a lot of Sir Alex in that he kind of protects his players a lot I think he, he inherits a lot of Sir Alex-isms um but maybe even he doesn't he doesn't know but um yeah he, he does and there's some Mourinho-isms in there as well um and I uh, yeah, so he's you know he's a very he's very clever, switched on in how he conveys his message um, to you know fans and to media. You know when I dealt with with Wayne, he was always absolutely brilliant, um, and um, yeah, I always felt he, he wouldn't bullshit you. You know he, he wouldn't he wouldn't pull any punches with you, um, and I always really respected that about him. Um, so yeah, just in totality, just. Just give it manager of the year. I, I, you know, and, and this won't be his last managerial job. There'll be a lot of clubs looking at him, thinking like, yeah, like, you know, with, with 
better resources. He could, you know, he could get things promoted. You know, and, and don't forget, Ryan, he used to watch Derby Digest as well. Did used to watch? He did used to watch the Derby Digest. So, so Wayne Rooney used <laughs> to watch your show. That that was one of the weirdest moments of my career, which was. Um, I can't remember, I cannot remember the game. I can't remember the game um, that, that it was a post-game presser and Derby had conceded from a set piece. And, um, you know, so usually with pressers, I sat right at the front, right in front of him. At the start of my tenure, I was right at the back because I was nervous. But by the time Rooney was manager, I was right at the front, uh, along with Nico. Um, and we would usually lead the questioning at the press conference because we were just the guys that were there every week. So you build up that kind of rapport and, um, yeah, and I asked him about uh, set pieces, and he was like, "I knew you were going to ask me about that." And he kind of chuckled. Um, it was a game that they drew, but it, and he, he so he he was humorous enough. Yeah, and he kind of chuckled, and he was like, "Yeah, yeah, I remember. I watched. I was watching your video. You had um, you had your, um, your pink Miami Heat jersey on, didn't you?" I was like, "He actually did watch the video." <laughs> like shit, he actually. And then and I was like, "No way, Wayne Rooney watches the Derby Digest." And I was like, "Wait, shit, Wayne Rooney watches the Derby Digest." Like, so now, like, he can, you know, if I, because if, before I just used to flap my, I, well, not flap my gums, but I, I thought now if, if my opinions are, are wrong or bad, now he can pull me up on them because he's watching me say them. He's like, ah, oh, this guy's a dick. He doesn't know what he's talking about. So, uh, but I was already kind of aware that people watch them because when I interviewed Max Lowe uh, just after he, uh, uh, just was during the lockdown, he was at Sheffield United. Um, at, at, at the time and when I interviewed Max he was like oh yeah like the boys watch your videos I was like oh no <laughs> he was like yeah like sometimes you think you, you think you're a bit that's why I couldn't and, get that interview with that player uh, yeah so it's like sometimes I think and then I th- sit there and think man I hope I like I was sat there thinking I really have to be careful now if I'm if I'm going to talk my shit I have to really make sure I have to back it up <laughs> which I, I always always did but the fact that now you're aware that that yeah. players do watch you it's one of those reminders where it goes like don't get lazy like don't become one of those channels that just comes out with ridiculous opinions for views because these guys watch your stuff so you have to be considered in what you're saying so yeah and then when he was doing it and then like when Max told me that some of the boys will watch it I was like oh shit and then when Wayne was telling me that, that, that he watched it I was like oh shit <laughs> but that was that was great and obviously for me it's, it's great because I think that speaks to you know, the level of credibility I had on my own football knowledge. I always like to think I know what I was talking about, but when those guys kind of think it as well, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, I actually, I did a good job. Like, I knew what I was doing. Yeah, it gives you that bit of extra sense of, like, that that little uh, that little carrot to be like, yeah, you know, people do think I'm credible, and that that's all right to get to to get to those, the people who are in, in the game playing think the same way. So that that's that's good. Yeah, for sure. And whenever I was having, like, you know, a bad, a bad time with, with, with things in terms of, like um you know like you, you have an, an opinion and, and a, the consensus by fans is it's not a popular opinion um you sort of and everyone can kind of get on your back you know if they lose particularly or whatever people can get on your back and start like, oh am I, am I wrong and then you think well this is my gut feeling based on the things that I've watched and assessed and you think and that was good enough for Wayne Rooney to watch my stuff so I, that's the sort of thing that gives you a little bit of comfort you think oh actually like just back yourself trust yourself trust what your eyes saw and you know, and, and that'll be that'll be good enough for, <laughs> for for me. So yeah, that was that was pretty that was pretty cool. Yeah, and, and Ryan, you know, everyone's got their opinions because football is a game of them. Um, but it's good it's good when other people validate kind of those things and make sure that you're on the right path. But Ryan, 
I've really enjoyed the last hour we spent chatting. It's just absolutely flown by. Um, first of all, I'm glad that you're healthy and you're fit and you're well and you're, you're enjoying life. Um, and I hope, you know, thank you so much for your time. And I hope that we can uh, rendezvous again um, as you continue to watch Darby being a Darby County super fan. Be honest. You have a Wayne Rooney poster above your bed, don't you? He has one of me as well. So, well, yeah, because he's watching Darby <laughs> Digest. He probably uh, watches that on yeah. repeat in between Only Fools and Horses. I love Only Fools and Horses. That would be great <laughs> if he just if he just watched all my Darby Digest in between Only Fools and Horses episodes. Um, no, I I do. I still make time to to watch the games, even. You know, when I just after I'd, I'd left the athletic, I was still turning up to games. I was just going as a fan now. You know, I was getting my ticket and heading in um, and, and watching it, watching it there. You know, I definitely still um, watch the games. I still keep in touch with with people around around the club. Um, yeah, you know, I, I never really, you know, un- unplugged from, you know, I stepped away from my, my dues of job, but I'm still, you know, I'm still a fan. You know, I still still check in on, ev- on, on everybody that I, I try to and I still I still watch watch the games. Um, you know I still let out a massive roar. You know when Tom Lawrence put that penalty away against Coventry, you know I let out a, an enormous cheer and was like I couldn't do that in the press box, but it's all right because I'm here. So I, could, I did. I, should, I shouted. Things. I shouted it like it was like I don't know eight o'clock, eight thirty, nine o'clock in the morning, and I shouted, and then apparently all the dogs in the neighborhood started barking. So yeah. So <laughs> so yeah. Still uh, yeah. I definitely still watch. I definitely still watch them and, and keep an eye on on everything that's that's happening. And yeah, because I'm a fan. You know, that's what it that's what it is. Although my my, my girlfriend is um, slowly morphing into a Nottingham Forest fan. Oh, okay. Well, you know, yeah, I, mean, I need to give you some relationship advice, Ryan, off the air here. Uh, <laughs> I, I you know I'm I'm very much in love. So I think it's one of those things where I'm I'm just going to be like, you know what. That, the L word was liquidate, a, Ryan, not love. That's, <laughs> so that I think it's one of those where it's going, you know, it's a sin that I'm willing to willing to take. Um, so yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you're I'm glad that you're fit and happy, <laughs> Ryan. And you know, you don't want to be, you know, a little bit of conflict is good. So that's fine. And and your girl <laughs> can have terrible football opinions all she wants. That's fine. But Ryan, I want to thank you so much. You know, you've been doing some, um, I always enjoyed reading your stuff for The Athletic and I'm enjoying reading your stuff now for The Telegraph. You've always been happy pleasure to work with uh, and to talk with. You've always got a smile on your face and I love your laugh. It's awesome. Um, so if you ever want a podcasting job, you can take my spot. I'm sure Jason will fire me and <laughs> become the host. I'm sure, I'm sure he'd fire me in a heartbeat. But Ryan, I hope we can catch up again soon. Um, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. No, I appreciate it, man. Thank you very, very much for, for having me on. And uh, yeah, it's uh, good. It's good to be back. The first first podcast I've done in you know nearly nearly a year now. So yeah, it's good. It's good fun. Good fun to be back on. I appreciate it. Cheers, Corey. Before the next segment, I want to quickly talk to you about the Fan Hub app. Fan Hub are looking to put fans first and change the game, giving back to the real heroes of football, us, the fans. Download the app now from Apple or Google stores and get involved predicting lineups. Check in on match days and check your fan statistics. Compete against fans of our club and other football teams. Let's help get Derby County up that leaderboard. Also, it's a great way to get media content from all creators across the FanHub family, including our stuff at the Rams Review Podcast for Derby County. Download today and you can avoid the queue using our unique code. Contact us on social media for more details and check out the FanHub app and website. 
Before we move on to our next segment, we are proud to announce that we are going to be partnering with two amazing organizations this year. First is going to be Flat Back Four, and the second is Six Yards Out. Flat Back Four provide a wide range of club um, memorabilia with the kind of foosball four guys um, on it as well. Amazing clothing range. They've got some awesome Derby stuff, so go and check them out. And we'll be doing some competition giveaways um, and various different bits and bobs throughout the season, so stay tuned for that. And our second partnership is going to be with the Six Yard Out folks. They do some amazing different kind of bespoke gifts, all kind of things, Derby County. They've got England mugs, Derby County mugs, and various different kits, and you can get them customized and have old players on them. Um, some really amazing things. You can use Rams Review as a, as a coupon code there as well and get 10% off. Really proud to be partnering with two amazing retail retail partners. So be on the lookout for those um, and check them out if you haven't already. Um, again, that's, that's Flatback 4 and Six Yards Out. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the next segment. I'm back, guys, towards the end of the podcast. Jason here. Unfortunately, I missed the interview with Ryan Conway. But my, my thanks go out to Ryan and, of course, Corey, as always. Uh, it's been it's been great to catch up with Ryan. I know Corey was uh, was quite happy to uh, get to sit down and chat with him since he's, he's not been quite in the, the limelight as much to do with Derby County. So appreciate your time, Ryan, and uh, hopefully we'll we'll catch up again in the future. To end this week's podcast, We've got to look forward to the game at, at Pride Park on Saturday against Preston North End. And we've got our Preston North End colleague, George, to give us his opinion on Preston North End. And let's face it, it it's if it isn't already over, which some fans may think it is, a, a, nothing but a win on Saturday will do. We'll touch on that in a second, because we've not done a pod since the game uh, before the international break, as we're currently sat in an international break. Um, so, of course, the last game at Pride Park, I know it was a while ago now, but obviously the 1-1 the, the draw at home to Coventry, and then just the results not going Derby's way at all, which currently leaves the gap. I think it's eight points with seven games to play. Most of the teams down at the bottom have got eight games to play. So eight points, it's it's a massive, massive gap really now. I think the games are starting to run out, which, as I say, makes Saturday look like it has to be three points and you've got to have, hope for a favour after for, from other teams after the, after the weekend. Uh, I think if the gap really, realistically, is, is still at eight, minimum what you know worst case scenario i just i just don't personally i i think it's probably one step too far i think after the weekend's game if we can cut it back to five again then who knows you know they're they're on the bandwagon again maybe um with uh, i think it's a trip to swansea coming up next uh you know which you've got to put yourselves in with a fighting chance i think five points with six games to go, as Derby, it will be for Derby, is a, is a chance. I think at the minute, if it, if it's eight or more, um, certainly if it's more, it's no good. But if it, even if it's eight, I think we're, it's probably asking one too many, one, one too many this season, which is will be unfortunate. But we'll we'll worry about that as and when it happens, if it happens. Um, and of course, we'll we'll be touching on the game on Saturday uh, next week. We'll we'll look at the result. But before we do that, let's preview it before I make mention with George from Preston North End fan opinion. 
George here, just to give uh, some Preston North End insight ahead of this weekend's game at Pride Park. Fixture comes after the international break. North End were battered at Luton before it. An absolutely horrendous performance, probably the worst this season, uh, as they lost 4-0. So that in itself is an incentive uh, for North End, while the season is pretty much done and dusted in terms of they're not going to be pushing for the top six, but then going to stay uh, steer clear of the bottom three, um, North End will want to put a far better showing in than they did in that last outing. Uh, they've also got a massive Tuesday night derby coming up at home to Blackpool. So going into that in decent form and on the back of a good performance is really important too. Under Ryan Lowe, the football has uh, improved. There's still a, f- a few issues in terms of North End have scored very few goals in the first half of matches, um, but the form and results have notably uh, been better since his appointment in December. North End weren't really... Well, it didn't feel like they were going anywhere before he came. Uh, results were very indifferent. Uh, I think North End were 18th or 19th. They weren't playing a good brand of football at all. Uh, supporters were pretty uninspired and, and low being the big character he is um, you know real big personality came in and sort of lifted the whole club the fan base for sure um, a few away results uh, wins at Hull at West Brom at Stoke at Peterborough have certainly helped that but there is a sort of feeling that an eye is being cast to the summer it's a big one for the club to get transfers right recruitment right um, and then next season is going to be the one I think when low hopefully gets the squad that's his uh, wing-backs at the moment. Don't feel right for the way he wants to play. It's a 3-5-2 attacking aggressive system, uh, but there's, there's only been one goal and one assist from Brad Potts at right wing-back, and Josh Earl and Greg Cunningham have sort of chipped in, and he's toed and froed a lot with it, and it just doesn't look right at the moment, so that might be something for Derby to look at. Obviously still scrapping for the lives, and... Derby gave North End a really good game at Deepdale. They deserved to win, and North End were fortunate to come away with a point. They were they were pretty uh, pretty uh, average that afternoon. To be fair, I think Derby have gained a lot of respect up and down the Championship this year for the way they've gone about the business. A lot of clubs would have been long gone by now, but they've stuck in there and still got a fighting chance. I don't think many people gave them one. But, uh, you know, fair play to Wayne Rooney and, and that squad because I don't think the squad looked too strong at the beginning of the year either and they'd give it a right go. In terms of Preston, uh, strengths, they've been pretty... Sounds ironic on the back of a 4-0 drubbing, but they have been pretty solid at the back since Lowe came in, kept more clean sheets. Daniel Everson between the goalposts is an absolutely quality talent on loan from Leicester. Um, you've got to be really only game to beat him because he makes wonderful saves time and time again. Uh, Sepp Vandenberg in front of him on loan from Liverpool has also been massive uh, to get him back this year. So Derby will have to be at it to break down a typically organised and well-structured North End backline. Um, weaknesses, I think first half goals, just not scored many at all since Lowe's, came, Lowe's come in. I think it might be four or something. So that's something that certainly needs to be looked at and rectified as North End move forward and, and a bit of uh, hope for Derby as well. Other aspects of North End's game, the midfield you would have to say is pretty strong. Uh, ben Whiteman, Alan Brown, captain of the club and Daniel Johnson have been the preferred trio 
since Lowe came in and there's a nice balance there in terms of Whiteman as a sort of deep-lying playmaker, Johnson as a attacking number eight who chips in with goals and Brown can do a bit of everything. So if they can win the battle, uh, it'll stand Preston in good stead, but certainly sure they'll be expecting a difficult test. Uh, Derby still uh, in the hunt for survival and it's never a place you go to Pride Park and expect to turn a Derby team over. Uh, they've certainly been a bogey side for North End in recent years. I know Preston won twice there last year during COVID, but with fans in, it's it's not an easy place to go. Um, and as I touched on earlier, I think the mentality that Preston approached the game with will be really key because on paper, there's not a great deal for them to play for this year, but there's two local derbies to come up and they want to go into the summer and next season um, on a high. So, North End will have to be professional, respect Derby um, and certainly play better than they did at Deepdale in the reverse fixture because that wasn't, um, certainly wasn't good enough. It'll be a boost that Cameron Archer will be back and fit to play after having to withdraw from the England under-20 squad through illness. He scored five goals for Preston and he's uh, got a real Premier League quality about him and tends to finish chances uh, if they fall his way, so Derby will have to certainly keep him quiet. Um, scores a range of goals as well. He's had a header, left foot, right foot. Really promising talent that's that's sort of taken to the championship extremely uh, well for his age and, and inexperience. Finish on a prediction. Um, North End haven't just haven't scored a lot of goals of late, um, but like I said, up at Luton aside, they've been pretty. Solid at the other end, so I think Derby have, have drawn a lot of games as well this year. So Preston certainly have, so I think it's got something like 1 1 written all over it, um, and I'll go for that. George, it's been an absolute pleasure working with you this season. Thanks very much, mate. All the best. So, <clears throat> Saturday, as I mentioned just before briefly, it's, a, it's an absolute massive, massive must win. Ah, you've got to hope that the crowd get behind Derby. Derby can only really do what they can do, which is which is try and pick up the three points. And then we we are now rely, we really are now relying, even though we have been obviously over the last few weeks, we're really on relying now with one or two of the teams around us slipping up. Unfortunately, Reading have, have found a couple of results just recently. Barnsley look to have turned a corner. Peterborough have picked up a couple of results. And whilst Derby's football hasn't been so bad over the last four or five games, the results just haven't been coming. And so international break, it, I think it was needed. I think the squad needed a break. A few obviously go away on international duty, but the majority of the squad are going to get a bit of a break, which can only be of benefit. And then they come back to, as I say, seven games, which are, are massive. You can only really take them one at a time. You've just got to chalk them off. Um, we know one thing, chances are, Derby's away form has got to drastically improve from what it has been so far already this season because Swansea, QPR and Blackpool away, I think they're going to have to go unbeaten in all three. And they're probably going to have to win at least one, if not two of them, uh, to stand any realistic chance. And then, of course, you've got your games at home, which other than Fulham at home, you know, Preston, uh, Preston, who else have we got? Bristol City, Fulham and Cardiff. You know, winnable games at home. 
and you know Derby have just got to get those results back on the board. They've got to they've got to start ticking again, and you know we can't really look beyond. I don't think we can really look beyond Saturday though, and and say that Derby have got to do the business Saturday, get the three points, and and see where we are at five o'clock on on Saturday tea time. I know that the some of the games in hand for the other teams I think are probably played next midweek. Might be the week after before obviously it'd be the, the Swansea game for Derby and then the double header as we have over Easter which could be unfortunately could be a telling time for, for Derby it might be a positive might not be we'll, we'll wait and see on that one but Preston you know mediocre side they, they've done all right this year I remember the trip to Deepdale later on this season where I think we uh, we we was really good and unfortunately just that what we've said for the last couple of seasons that just killer instinct up front did not did not do it for us. Um, it and you know you look back at games like that. I know it's hindsight you can't, but you look at games like that and you think, oh, we should have won that one. And you know we'd we'd probably be out of the mire now. But um, so you know we know Derby can compete against them. Um, their playoff aspirations have, have probably took took a final hit. Um, they're in in different form. Have they really got much to play for? That might play into Derby's hands. Um, but of course, you know, they're not going to want to end, to end the season in, on a whimper. So, you know, it's an opportunity for them to come and put another nail in Derby's coffin. Um, and so, you know, I'm looking forward to the game. I think it's going to be it's going to be a good game. It'll be nice to see that how the lads have reacted to a week off, you know, a bit of rest. And see if we can get up to the levels that we need to be at from from the word go, really. And uh, I think if we do that, I think we can beat Preston. I think we can beat Preston quite comfortably. Um, but anything less than that, then Derby are in for a tough afternoon. As we saw, I'd say, before, the game before the international break against Coventry, Derby started r relatively well, got hit by a wonderful goal. And then they they laboured back into the game. And, you know, it, Derby can't afford that. We, we couldn't really afford it last Saturday. Definitely can't afford it this Saturday. Um, it, it's three points. It's it's got to be. It's got to be a win. Anything less, and unfortunately, uh, I've got a feeling that although it won't be mathematical, I think that probably does put the lid on um, on the season. Unfortunately for Derby, um, <clears throat> but we'll worry about that. As I say, we'll worry about that as we move further towards the uh, the end goal, which I think is only about five weeks away now. We've just got to keep going, keep trying. Um, keep trying to put the performances in, which you know the lads are doing. Um, we, we we do a bit of luck, could do with a little bit of that over the next two games, and then you just never know what where Derby might be. But three points on Saturday is going to be is a must. It's an absolute must. Um, but we'll we'll see where we are. Um, that's it for this episode of the podcast. Thanks again to Ryan Conway. Uh, all the best for the future, Ryan. Corey as always and I've been Jason we will be back next week for all the fallout from the Preston game and we'll be looking ahead towards the trip to the uh, to Swansea uh, um, next week and that is it for this week's episode guys thanks for listening as always and up the ramps
Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Rams Review Podcast. We would love it if you'd like to get in touch. On Twitter, we're at RamsReview1. On Facebook, it's Rams Review Podcast. Or you could drop us an email, ramsreview at hotmail.com. Until next time, up the Rams. The Rams Review Podcast are proud to be part of the Fan Hub 100, putting fans first.